Hi everyone and welcome to the Grey Diaries podcast, the podcast that serves as a journal for conversations around grief, loss and bereavement. My name is Tony Vess and I'll be your host. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hi everyone and welcome back to the Grey Diaries. I hope everyone's been well since the last episode. Uh, Thanks for tuning in. Today's episode is as usual, with a special guest, because all my guests are special. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's with an old friend. Oh, wow, it's been seven years. Funny enough, um, speaking of, we were just before we started recording, um, I was saying how I lost my grand seven years ago. And that is the same time I met the special guest seven years ago. So it's great to see what has come from that um to see the goodness that life can bring to you um so without further ado i'm going to let my guests introduce themselves um take the floor hello i didn't realize we we, we met what seven years ago is it's quite a while it so is. different versions of me um uh, my name is karu omu and i'm the special guest <laughs> yeah um i'm I don't know how to how I'm supposed to introduce myself, but I am the founder of a few nonprofit organizations, like three nonprofit organizations, Sanitary Aid for Nigerian Girls, um, Foundation for the Education of Child Labor, and a project called Little Libraries Everywhere. I am a mom and I work my full-time job. I also have a full-time day job. I work in a nonprofit organization. Um, so it's not hard to know what my interest is. I am a mom of one amazing child. And yeah, I think those are the things that I would use to introduce myself. I'm also a person who has dealt with grief and continues to deal with grief. So I'm happy to be here. So thank you for the platform to speak about my experience and you know life generally that was for someone who doesn't know how to introduce themselves that was a phenomenal introduction I don't think I would have been able to do that I knew about two of your non-profit um ventures but um Three is more than most people can attest to themselves and myself <laughs> myself inclusive of that. Um, yeah, it just shows to go, it just goes to show how much of a kind-hearted person you are, like how much you care about society um, and just improving people's lives, um, which is great. It's fantastic. Um, so thank you for doing your introduction justice, because I don't think I would have been able to do that. Um, but yeah, you spoke about how you're a person who has, you know, or is continues to deal with grief. Let's dive into that directly. Where did grief start for you? At what age? Um, what did the story look like? How did that happen? And what does it look like today? Um, so for me, I would say it started pretty early. I think when I was about 10. So, I mean, I had known death. My grandma died maybe when I was 11 or 12, but that was like, I would say my dad's grief and I didn't have, you know, it was just a thing that happened. But my auntie passed when I was 10 and it was quite a difficult time for our family because she was away from us. She was a mom to two kids. Um, We didn't see it coming. She was young, she was in her thirties. We didn't get to bury her, you know, because she was, you know, away, she was in the US at the time or in Nigeria. And it was just tough on my grandma, my mom and her siblings. So I kind of saw that through them and I internalized that quite a bit. So I had obviously good memories of my auntie and her kids. And I, I mean, I haven't seen her kids since then. So in a way, I there's space in my heart where I'm kind of grieving that, um, that relationship, not just the relationship, but the loss of her and how by extension, I lost a part of my family because when she was around, she and her family would come to Nigeria and spend time with us. Then she died and I never saw her kids again because they, you know, now live with their father and, you know, all of that. So I think that was like my first experience as a child. I just didn't understand why that got to happen. And then before I turned 15, my my dad was murdered. And I think that's another thing that has shaped how I deal with grief. It was so sudden, my, my, my dad 
well, my dad was murdered, so it was very sudden. I didn't go through a process where he was sick or where I knew that this was happening. And I think it's different stages for me when it comes to thinking about my, about my dad, because there are big moments. There are moments where it's just like a chuckle, like I'm talking to my siblings and we have a laugh about our memories. And then there are times like when, when I turned 30, it occurred to me that I now live more of my life without my father than I lived with him. And that's really hurts me because it was so, him passing was so defining for how my life turned out. And I'm like, why would something happen that is so serious, but now I get to continue my life even more than the life I had before, which is so defining, which every time I think about happy memories, I go back there. But now I've lived more of my life without it. Like, how come the world gets to go on? How come nobody realizes that this thing that's destabilized me is a thing? How come I don't get to like put it in my CV? Like when I approach you, treat me with care because I'm very, <laughs> I'm very soft. That parents. is so real. Like, please, <laughs> this hard fragile. I have been through it before more than I have actually not been through it at this point. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm like, how how is this not like it's not it's not that you want to make grief your whole personality, but it is life-changing. Like, and I can't say like particular relationships that are more life-changing than others, do you understand? But like it's just a crazy thing to deal with at 14 going on 15. And no matter, and I'm finding out now that maybe at whatever age, it's it's still crazy, you know? And in between that, like I've lost like a couple of my friends and people that have been close to family and stuff like that. And every time I still go back to that particular feeling, literally I'll be reading the news and they say, somebody's father died. I'm like, oh wow, like my father died. Then I get sad about, you know, you know, and you know, but sometimes I think it kind of makes you empathize with people's experiences because I feel like I know the feeling and I know that it never goes away. And no matter how many times somebody speaks about grief, no matter how many times somebody takes you to therapy, no matter how many times somebody tells you all the stages you're going to go through, you would be 30 and you start from the first stage of grief again. And you still be like, this didn't happen. Or why did this happen to me? And I want today, I want to cry about this thing or, you know, or even like, I think what's very interesting, I was thinking about recently, I was thinking about how um, for seven to say 10 years after my dad passed, every time I was my dad's, you know, remembrance, people who knew me knew that I did nothing on the day. I stayed in bed and I cried and I felt sorry for myself. And I made a thing, like I just wasn't participating. And I felt that in some way I owed it to somebody, maybe my dad, maybe to myself to be like, on this day, I stopped. And I just thought about you. And after a couple of years, I decided instead to do something on the day. So I'm like, okay, fine. I'll do like an outreach instead. I will go and visit motherless babies or I would do a project. I'll just do something because I got tired of making it like a thing in my calendar to sit down and feel sorry for myself. Cause I'm like this, I, I, I have like my whole life coming. Am I really going to do this every time as a calendar? They know it fully well that the other days I don't plan. I would still feel like it. <laughs> so I, I don't know the healthy way, but I mean, I do know that I'm living and that my siblings also kind of handle it in their own like different ways and they understand it differently. And we just have different outlooks to like grieving like my dad. I was telling somebody recently that for my seven years, my mom didn't move anything that belonged to my dad in her bedroom. Everything, his perfumes were there the watch he wore the day he passed was on on her counter everything was as he left it for seven years and we I mean started to get worried and we're like sorry excuse me his clothes are hung there you have new clothes and you're folding them you know at some point but I think it was so important for her I can't speak for her but I think it was important for her to get to where she said okay he's not coming back and to do that herself and seven years is a long time to think that you know somebody is when I say coming back so that's when I think about it that's how, so about how, how how long life can potentially be because everybody says life is short and you know you can die anytime today but when we think about how long life can actually be lived how long is seven years because seven years is less than 25 percent of my current life right now so 
I don't know. It's like if I spend a quarter of my life getting over this significant monumental thing that somebody who was a part of my life for maybe even more than seven years, then I don't know. Because when you think about heartbreak, for instance, they say it takes double the time you were in the relationship to get over it. (laughs) If you were in marriage for, I don't know how long your parents were married for or together before he passed, seven Mm -hmm. years is even up to half of their time together. Yeah. So, yeah. by whose standards is seven years a very long time I think that's the thing about grief you know we there's this weird projection from god knows where it came that everybody's like okay by now I should be over this by now I should be normal by now but life as you knew it before that point up until the moment of death has changed so for you to readjust this new life has to take double that time. Let's just say, in theory, it takes double that time. If someone dies at 30, at 90 is when I'll start adjusting to life without them. <laughs> so please, by anybody's standard, anything between 30 and 90, those 60 years, I mean, it's only right. I'm still getting over it. Yeah. I think applying that to everybody and even even with people that, you know, lose people when they were very, very young for themselves. I think there's an additional, the age gap between when you actually come to your adult thinking level, that is when your own double time actually then starts. Everything before that is just, you're cruising, you're on autopilot. So grief has no time boundary because I can even die within those 60 years of me getting that life. So- and you- more heartbroken yeah and and i think i do think like within like and you get it, it gets worse because then as you're getting older you're losing more people so the lines are kind of blurred towards what's crippling you at that time um in 20 at the end of 2020 i lost my cousin and it was it was one of the most devastating things i have been through not just that it was a loss she was so young um she was like my sister so we both um we both grew up in my auntie's house so she was somebody like you know we have like a family group chat where all the siblings that grew up in that house used to speak every day and so she was in every sense of the word my sister and I think I found that to be that kind of brought me back to something else that happened it made me think about my mom again because my mom was the one who had to break to us that my dad had passed when she took him to the hospital and came back and I I didn't really wonder how that was for her having to tell his children having to call his siblings you know do all of that I didn't think about the kind of load on its own that that was but when my my cousin passed um, I had to tell so my sister my baby sister was the one who told me and I had to tell our other siblings and my siblings were, my siblings were with her. My siblings were the ones who rushed out to the hospital. So told my siblings rushed out to the hospital. So they were there when, you know, she passed. And at that time, I, I, I felt grief or I felt sad, but I just wanted to blanket everyone because like these are my babies like i'm because i'm the i'm the oldest in that group of siblings and i'm like there's no reason why he had to be the one to you know go through this there's no reason why these kids have to be the one to tell me that this happened like this is not just something i want my babies to deal with so for like the first few um my husband was me when it happened and he you know just held me and but for like i, I went into like when i say like protection mode it was like I, I don't know what's happening, but I don't want, this is not just something that I want my siblings to go through. So a lot of my grief with my cousin's passing has been me thinking about her and the life that she would have lived and just how she's missing out on everything. But it's more like heartbreak for my siblings because I'm like, this is something that I couldn't protect these kids from. And it's not my fault. It's not almost, it's like, obviously it's, I, I think in some ways you feel feeling some sort of self-importance because it's something that happened to you as well. but these are my babies and they've just always been my babies and nothing has ever touched them that was so big. And this happened, I'm like, this is rocking their world. So now I am upset that something happened, even if it happened to me too, I'm like, I, I can't deal with it. I, I deal with things every day. I talk to people that are going through all sorts of things every day. 
it's those things are not my loss so i'm able to process it but now this one is mine and these are my siblings and now we have this collective thing that's happened to us all and we just can't move past it and i think that this is one of the one of the times that like really felt confused because i'm like we've dealt with so much but like now we're just exposed like now we know life it's almost like everything is before this happened and after this happened because they just hadn't been exposed to something like that and we we all just haven't dealt with something that belonged to us yeah. in this you know now we feel like we had like this circle of us siblings that would go into group chat and make fun of each other every day and honestly in the last one year and two months there has not been a funny joke in our chats it's just you know like it's like we just maybe individually when we talk we have all of those things that but it's like it was a circle and one little part was taken out or one big part was taken out and the circle can just not circle anymore you mm. know mm. and the, the, the beginning is always chasing the end it's just not whole no it's not so it's like wow we're exposed and now literally for me and, and i know it's crazy because this is how we all everybody knows we're all going to die blah 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 but it's still a very tough thing and it's even more tough i'd say when you are the one kind of left behind because mm. yeah we all die but like if you die what are the odds so if you die if you believe in the afterlife it's great you're going somewhere nice but people here don't know where where you've gone to and if there's no afterlife then you have become nothing and how are we supposed to deal with the fact that you used to exist and you just don't exist anymore you know it's so, like it's it's um it's just such a crazy thing and the more you think about it the more confused you become it's just one of those things where there's no clarity it is one rabbit hole i'll tell you that it's a very 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 deep rabbit hole that alice in wonderland could never fathom <laughs> fathom um i want to touch on something you said so you said how when you're when you lost your cousin um 2020 um you you know you became protective over your other siblings and it's so funny because uh there's you know there's quotes there were loads of quotes about you know grief is love misplaced grief is love without a home grief is you know blah blah blah, blah. um and what people often associate that with is like my feelings towards this you know my feelings towards this person that I've lost I don't know what to do with it um so it's just there heavy weighing upon me but another dimension of that which is what you spoke about that exists is that love we have for that person well not necessarily that love but the love that we have in general we then use it we then express it to other people so your love for you, the love that is inside you, the grief brings it out in a protective manner. So I always say that people that are very, very loving show grief in a very loving way. Um, and, and that's what you did, you know, when you went straight into protective mode. So your grief then became the stress of my babies are hurting. Everyone else around me is hurting. And to some people that it looks like that you're not grieving, you're only worried about other people, but that is part of your grieving process. Um, I think the, the society-wide picture of grieving looks like you sitting down, you being sad, being in mourning essentially. B but through conversations, through, through film, through whatever, you begin to learn that actually grief and mourning are different. Um, mourning is being in mourning is is an action in my opinion but grief is an I, do, I don't want to say everlasting feeling but it it pretty much is so that shapes who you become after the point of loss um, your response to it, it it sort of you know dictates how you approach things and how you it ties in with your personality essentially and moves you, propels you forward, which is why after significant loss, be it, you know, a job, be it death, be it heartbreak, people go down very significant trajectories. It's like, 
I used, I started playing, I started running, for instance. People were like, yeah, you, you know, you look fantastic now, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, after she lost her mom, she just started running. And it's like, it's, it's not necessarily that the grief is caused you to run. It's the way grief and your personality are. You had to pick up something to distract you from the pain, or you had to put the love that you have into a passion or something else and I feel I feel sometimes we look at it wrong as our grief is a dis- like we're trying to be distracted from grief whereas actually our grief has now become us and we're living through we're now living life so when people say yeah you know she's just distracting herself or they're just distracting themselves or he's just distracting themselves from something I don't see it that way I'm like actually no this is now this person's new identity this is now this person's life and we have to now accept it and if on the per chance it's you know on the off chance rather it is harmful towards them and society it's our role to say okay you know what let's separate this from your grief let's you know not mix the two together but I, understanding that grief does exist in a personality as opposed to mm-hmm. outside of us I think that helps us deal with things better and this is just something when you said it like just came like a light bulb went off in my head and I was like I wonder if grief really is like a separate thing or part of life because if death is as sure as life is then grief surely is yeah I think I'm um, so this um reminds me of something that I saw um, I, I don't know if it was months back, but it was a jar with a ball and the ball is grief. And it says people think that the grief shrinks, but what happens is that the jar, which is us, becomes bigger. So we are growing even you know, as we deal with grief and we just grow to encompass that grief. So like you said, it's almost like we we don't become our grief. We just make more space in our hearts. Our hearts, like if you've dealt with loss, it has like, it'll either kind of make you just turn away sometimes, maybe turn away from the world. And it might be, it might be just for a moment. It might not, you know, be who you become. But sometimes your heart just expands and it can fill up with good memories and things that bring like laughter and things that bring joy. And sometimes it can be the trauma that takes the forefront it can be something else, but you learn to live with the grief. And that's, you know, we get mad. I, I, I used to get mad when I was younger about the fact that something so of such magnitude will happen and the world will keep going. And I saw it as a bad thing. But as I'm getting older, I kind of see it as not a good thing, but how we manage our lives. If the world stops, then who says when is a good time for it to keep going? Will one minute be enough? Will one day be enough? Will two days, one week? And bearing in mind that as you're experiencing loss, millions of people are experiencing loss at the same time. Do we just stop and stay in loss till we die? You know? So maybe it's good that the world keeps going and it's okay to stop. And when we feel like rejoining the world, then we rejoin the world and we get to stop again and stop as many times as we need to. So that way we don't feel like we've put a cap on our grief and that it's over or that it has a day that it needs to be over. 30 years from now, we would feel it again. And maybe we'll feel like it's better to smile today and something to smile about or something funny that reminds you of the person that you've lost. But that would be fine because if the world stops, then you would never have gotten to the point where you have lived enough to have more feelings that are in your grief. So... I think it's, you know, it's okay for us to like grow and, you know, keep moving and move and do other things. And, but if we hold our breath and we just want to not feel grief or want to feel it in all totality and go through everything and be like, yes, I'm now in acceptance and I'm now ready to move on and I will never feel it again. Then we are not giving ourselves a chance to just be human beings who eventually, maybe at some time also be grieved, you know, and that's not like what you need to focus like oh I'm going to die someday yeah that's fine but now you're alive and when you're alive I think you know it's almost 
that you give yourself hope by continuing to live instead of just stopping. Uh, yeah, I think that's very important. And, I, and it takes me back to like what we were talking about before we started recording about how, you know, you want to create memories and all of these things. These things live longer than us. And when you realize how much of us can live way past, like, and how long it can live, I think the beauty about me writing poetry is sometimes I write things, I'm just like, wow. Imagine one day down the line, somebody's just like, oh, I stumbled upon this quote poetry book by an old uh, poet called Tony Peters. She writes, you know, and this quote, and then like a whole generation of like young girls are inspired by it. And I'm just there, you know, maybe existing in nothingness and maybe chilling beside, you know, Apostle Paul in heaven. <laughs> and I'm just like, yo, that's my stuff. Oh my gosh. Like, I'm actually still alive. I'm like, I'm not there in person, but if so much of me has, like, I think that's the part we miss out on when we're so consumed by like loss and stuff. Um, and even like the things that the person, like the person left behind, sometimes we're so consumed by them not being there. We overlook the things that they've left behind. So like, I think for me, sometimes I sit down and I'm like, oh my God, I really miss my grandma. I mean, I had it the other day, I put it something on, it was, oh, it was share the first picture in your favorite. So I was like, oh, I can do this challenge and I opened it up and I saw my grandma and I was like okay oh wow I can't do this oh my god I still shared it but then I started thinking about like just looking at that picture I was just like she had such a gentle spirit and I was like I really like like nobody that interacted with my grandma was ever like you can never feel you would always feel calm around her because she was just so calm so she'd be like mm-hmm okay so then and then so what do we do it's like her entire demeanor and I was like I don't understand so why if she's like that why why am I the person that's like oh god oh god oh my god oh my god oh okay we're about to break down okay and I'm just like I want to take that thing that she left like she showed me that that's a possibility and and a way to live life so why can't I you know take that as Part of her to live inside me and you know even just thinking the whole you know let's just do things happen I'm like nope we're gonna do it the Regina way because I even took that as my confirmation name so we're, we're gonna do it the Regina way is my response sometimes and I just feel this you know and like whether it's her spirit that overcomes me or just me associating like the peace the stillness that she had I'm able to live a part of her um and I think just you know closing the the part of grief that makes us just end everything about the person's existing is for me I, I I think the finality of death is the being of the person but the the continuation the 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 what the person has left behind is so much that you know we always ignore going through people's diaries when they pass I mean I don't think it as an invasion of privacy I think it as what are the secrets that, you know, what are the beauties that this person saw in life? What are the memories? What are the treasures? You know, um, it's not even about trying to find anything out about the person. It's just trying to keep the person going and stuff like that. And there's so many ways we can do that if we don't just accept the finality in that way. You know, and I, I like what you just said about the diary. And not, I, so I, I don't know how I feel. I don't know about, it's just not something I, I, I don't know. I don't know that many people that keep diaries anyways, but my dad used to keep a diary. And when we were growing up, I think he showed us what he wrote on the day that each of us was born. And I think it's so funny because recently I remember the, my, my brother came and I had came here and I have not, I had not seen my brother for three years or until then. And my brother, I, I say it's very often, my brother is, I found that my brother is one of my soulmates because he, like it's almost like me but in another body and finding that out in adulthood has been so comforting to me and when he left I don't know what made me think about it but I was like oh I remember what my dad wrote the day he was born and to think that this is who he is today is just funny my dad could have had no idea you know but that was his child and that's how his birth made him feel and now I'm here so many years after, and I'm like, yeah, this is a special child. And I felt it. And it, it, that moment kind of just was a very brief just connection to my dad. I was like, it's nice that I got to see that the day each of us was born, he wrote in his diary, like, oh, my daughter was born at so-and-so time and she waited days and I'm on my way to the hospital. So I've just left the hospital. And I'm like, I like that he did that. I, I don't keep a, a diary, but now I think I have like lots of pictures and videos that, you know show my feelings but 
I think that was just like so special. And just thinking about it now, I'm like, yeah, that's something that shows that it doesn't really end when you end. There's just so much you've left in the world, the memories that you have left that, you know, keep keep the people who loved you going. And I guess, again, sometimes we we can feel blessed by grief because what it means is that we had a great experience. If someone passed and we felt absolutely nothing, that nothingness doesn't affect them. But we just have nothing to go by, nothing good, nothing bad. It's just space. Mm. If you have grief, that means you loved, you loved that person and you shared something with that person. And there's something to remember that somebody like this existed. And I was blessed to experience this person, enough to be sad about the person not being here, but also enough to have these memories that keep me. And, you know, it's sad. I don't get to make more memories, but it's also great. I, I, I remember panicking some years ago. I panicked because I thought I was forgetting my dad's voice. And I don't know why that was important to me, but I noticed one. Like, oh, just, that feeling. Yeah, and, and a couple of years that I just couldn't remember how he sounded. So sometimes I would just stop and I would try to recall how he called my name. And I was like, okay, it's, it's coming back to me and that's fine. But like, if I forget his voice, there's my brother who came, I was wearing my, the ring my dad used to wear. And I'm like, is that daddy's ring? And he was like, yes. And I was like, oh, it fits his finger. I remember thinking that my dad was so big. Like, I remember my dad just being big. Now I'm older, I realized he wasn't that big. <laughs> and my brother is now old enough to wear the ring that I thought that this giant man wore. So clearly he wasn't that giant, but it's kind of nice. So maybe the facts don't matter. Is how he made me feel then. Like I was covered, I was protected and that's okay. And, you know, it's good to have that. It's, you know, it's just great to have that. And it's also even great to experience them through other people because these are my own thoughts. When I speak to my sister, has a different experience of my father. And I'm like, did you do that? Are you serious? Like, and it's endless. We had only how many years, but we have new stories. Every day something comes up and we're like, I didn't even know that. And we have like a good laugh and, you know, just different ways to process it. I spoke to my siblings, I think some have been like last year or so. And I said to them, you know, I, I don't feel like I ever really asked you guys how you felt. Because when I was growing up, I was older than, like I was older than the two youngest. And, you know, yeah, we're all sad. Yeah, we're all grieving. Yes, we all laughed together. But I didn't ever check in with them. Yeah. Knowing that I was so affected five years old, 10 years old. I did like on his remembrance we'll talk, but I didn't check in with them. Like, how do you manage this? And they had a lot to say. Yeah. I was like, you know, I'm, I'm actually kind of sorry in a way that I didn't even like worry that if I was going through this, that you guys were going through it. I just assumed, oh, they're kids. They probably don't remember as much. And I said this tongue in cheek because they're not that much younger than me, but in my own head, I was just like, yeah, I didn't check. My brother was 11. What does a 11 year old remember? But I have memories from when I was five. So exactly. remember a lot. And even when you don't remember, it's another, it's sad again. Like, you know, when you have lost really early, where you have nothing to remember. That in itself is sad because you wonder what would have filled all those blank spaces that you have. So, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's humbling. It's just one of those things that we haven't figured out. We figured out the science, the everything, the way to work from home, the way to work from work. <laughs> And figure everything out but this is just something that every time there's like a new layer to it and it's always you know a different experience for everybody yeah I think also what you said about you know there's your 15 years and like your your siblings 11 years um what I see that is, is 26 years of that person not 11 years and 15 years separately that's 26 years in total because those 11 years no matter if three of you were sat at the table at the same time from each person's lens it looks so different so even if that thing happened in both you people's timelines sometimes I'm sure you're like no this is what happened that, no that was the day that daddy did this no he did it this way no he and you're like who knows the truth we remember based on how we feel right <laughs> like, yeah. but it's very interesting our experiences of this person add accumulate as opposed to I guess coexist in my opinion and, and that's a beautiful thing about reflecting on somebody's life. You have so much more. Hi, Fumi. Hi, guys. We have another guest. <laughs> Hi, Fumi. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Why is it Hello. Hello. 
this is very for me, guys. I remember when I remember when Fumi was born vaguely because I was meant to um, come visit. I think I think I was meant to visit. I don't even remember. I just know that since then I haven't seen Fumi, <laughs> and I was sort of like, oh my god, this is so bad. Like what? But don't worry, soon come this year. I'm making space and time for things that matter to me. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, like no matter what I say, um, I say anywhere. Like I give her a lot of notice. Mama is going to do this and this and this and this. Um, please take some time. I need to do this. Blah 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 blah. blah. It does not matter to her. She'll be like, I hear you. Don't worry, I'll stay away till I can't stay away. And then here she is. Can we please stop? I'm 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 actually recording. Please stop. I do have a question. So, are there moments where you feel you like your sadness or your grief around for me? And what do you do? And how does she, is she perceptive towards that? Um, yes, because so I would say, um, yeah, I, I, I feel kind of sad that she didn't get to meet my dad. Like, I feel that quite a bit. Like, I, um, more so, my, my husband lost his dad last year, and. I mean, she had seen her, her grandpa like twice or three times. And I know that we have pictures and videos together. So I do feel bad, you know, because I, I wonder what kind of granddad he would have been. But then I also, if, if he lived, if my life would have gone the way that I went, if I would have made the, you know, if I would have done the exact same things, if I would end up, if I ended up in this exact spot, you know, and you can, you know, never tell. Mm. You can only imagine and you know, long for, long for that. So I feel that um, when we told for me that <laughs> we didn't, we didn't tell her because her cousins were around over the summer. So we didn't tell her that her grandpa died because the, the other kids were older. And we didn't know if they understood death or were just not ready to share that information with all of the kids because they were like from four. Fumi's just Fumi was just under four at the time, so from Fumi's age up until eight, so it could have affected all of them differently. So we decided not to deal with it. So after they left, um, my husband was talking to me and he says, "Oh, so that happened when my dad died." Fumi was like, "Your dad died," and we're like, um, "Yes." So my dad says to her, "Yes, my dad died." And she's like, "Okay." Well, and also, so now I, I have a stepdad now. My mom, my mom's remarried. She remarried in 2020. So, um, so she knows she has a grandpa. So she says, oh, that's okay. Dad, I have another grandpa and he can be your dad now, okay? Oh, that is so cute. <laughs> well, like, wow, you've solved the whole issue. <laughs> that is so cute. I love the innocent way kids think. Like, it's so logical, yet yeah, illogical. It's like yeah. okay, we're gonna reassign this to fill that yeah. gap in your life, and and that's okay. You're mended, yeah. okay? Yeah. Maybe like three weeks after I put her to bed bedtime, and we leave her room, and she starts to cry. Why are you crying? Because my grandpa died. Oh. Well, like, yeah, sorry. So occasionally, once in a month, she cries about her grandpa dying. But it's almost like I don't I don't know if she <laughs> understands why. She's crying. But it's almost like she feels sad, and she's like, "What do I have to feel sad about?" yeah and she's like i'm crying because my grandpa died which is just you know it's the thing with children is you don't know how much you're learning like you think you figured it out well i don't know anybody that is that they figure it out to be honest but personally i approach this from a place of learning every time she does something it's like what is the lesson here <laughs> because all it, it's, it's it's fascinating to see a blank mind a blank slate and see them begin to form emotions, begin to feel things, begin to react to things. And you, you you wonder, you know, what part of it is nature and what part of it is nurture and all of the, because children just have so many feelings. They're yep. just all things. But I, I try to think about it as like me and adults. I'm like, I too have so many feelings, but I regulate myself. Mm -hmm. yeah. So it's not the unregulated, unfiltered and just pure thoughts. So, so I think she kind of, she knows what died means. But obviously, it's as you get older, that you begin to understand what finality is. Because right now, time out, time out ends. School, school ends, bedtime, things end, and then they happen again. So yeah. it's very possible that at that age, they think that things end, 
what they continue. So they don't know that death is, you know, the end, end, end. And there's no. <laughs> so, yeah. There's no. I mean, yeah, I guess generally um, it's it's one of those things that, you know, no one ever gets right. Um, you can just get and move along with what you get. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, um, it's, it's very interesting. I think just even just the dynamic of, you know, your daughter, like you experiencing grief around her, her own experience of grief and your own experience. Um, and just understanding what that looks like. Um, I do have a question. What do you think, well, rather, do you think people grieve healthily and what does healthy grieving look like to you? So I would say that a lot of my experience with grief when I was younger was like from the religious perspective where people just try to put a lead on it, you know, it's timed. I don't know if it's healthy or if it's not healthy because people, that's like almost a vulnerability overload where everybody's like, everybody's forcing me to be vulnerable. But what if I don't feel this thing? And uh, sometimes me being vulnerable is me showing my strength, you know? So I think there are two ends where there's the, it's okay to just crush and feel every feeling. And then there's how we were, would I say raised? where it's like, yeah, there's a purpose to this, so accept it and just move on. And I, I don't think accepting something means you can be upset it happened or you can't feel bad about it. You accept. In fact, nobody needs your permission to accept it. It has happened. So whether or not you say, I accept it, this is the Lord's will and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, okay. That doesn't mean you can't feel things afterwards. So. I don't know that there's a healthy or unhealthy way to grieve, but I don't think that it is healthy to just put a lid on the magnitude of feelings because mm. everything that's just bottled up one day would blow up. And that's not to say it cannot blow up either way, but it's it's just counterproductive. Something happens and it's time. Like I, I remember that when like when my dad passed, I just remember it being you know people were at our house every day from when my dad passed so we went for the funeral which was like two weeks after and when we came back from the funeral there was nobody in the house and we just came back to quiet and some years after I thought oh oh then I thought yeah this means it's over life continues but then I realized more recently that that was when our grieving started mm. because everything was an activity we went into. We need to plan a funeral. We need to travel. There were things to do. Mm. This way alone to sit with our grief. But the way that it would have been seen is your morning is over. It's time to resume life. But it was more like your morning has started. Your grieving has just started because it's the first time you are by yourself mm-hmm. to un- magnitude of what has happened and you finally get a picture of what life will be after this person because mm. all those people in the house they were temporary they've gone back to their lives so for them life continues life has started but for you this is this is ground zero of your grief and I think you know everybody has to figure out for themselves what grieving looks like and if therapy was that accessible, I'd say everybody needs to see a grief counselor, grief, you know, therapist. Because Ooh. Sometimes, Ooh. You know, it is so necessary. You don't know what you're feeling. You don't even know how to sort your feeling. You don't even know how many things are related. That's what's so funny. Like, it's like how you were talking about the whole running thing. You don't even know that you started running because there was a basin. You don't know. You, you legit don't know. You just picked up your chew and started moving. <laughs> and you don't know that it's not even just it might you might know that the catalyst was the death the trigger was the death right but you don't know you're also running from that uh promotion that you didn't get you don't know that you're also running from that heartbreak when you're in primary school you don't know that you're also running from your best friend who seems to have lost something and has the most nonchalant attitude about like you're just there's so many things the grief pulls in all like it pulls in so much um 
And I think learning to sort of not compartmentalize, but sort of unpackage it and sort of mm-hmm. pack everything before you and see what everything is helps you sort of, okay, you know, let's at least tidy this thing up. Because right now it's just all in a dump. And, and I say, I use this analogy because, for instance, I have really bad anxiety and, you know, I have depressive episodes. So when I am in those states, my room is an accurate reflection of my mind. And I realized for the better part of this year so far, and an emphasis on so far because we're only two weeks in, my room has been good. Like it's been so tidy. I'm not like a neat freak or anything, but, and I was thinking my mind feels so decluttered. I know where things are so that if I want to feel something, I can go to that. Like before it was just my happy pictures were mixed up with like the pictures of people I hated, you know, my dirty clothes were just a a, a pile, maybe a pile away from the clean clothes, you know, the, the washed, the shoes, like they're just mismatched all over the place. But now I know where things are and it's easy for me to access them. And I think grief sort of like pulls everything into this one dump and it's like, here you go, this is feelings feel and every day we're trying to process am I happy am I sad am I you know am I confused am I angry but then there's so and we're just constantly like just pulling 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 from the mess and I thought therapy helps us sort of organize things it doesn't necessarily put things away but we know where to find things at the very least so when we want happy memories when we're feeling sad we know okay you know what let's go to the happy thing let's tap into the happy happy things um happiness is not a constant of life and neither is sadness I think that's one thing that people everybody seems to remember happiness isn't permanent don't change happiness okay but also dwell in sadness because sadness doesn't last forever either like that's it's very okay just know where to find each because sometimes you know I know when people are feeling very happy they're just like oh let me and they remember something that you know is sad but it doesn't make them feel as sad as it would have if they were dwelling in sadness it's just sort of a thing of you know they're reflective of the sadness and it's like oh okay there's balance in life and they just move through it and I think therapy helps us deal with life in that way so yes 100% agree with having people see bereavement counsellors it's it does wonders I'll put it that way yeah and yeah so yeah exactly like I think you just um you know packed up my thoughts and that's that's just how I I would say I think again another thing I think about when I think about like the religious way of grieving is sometimes it's I think in some way it's okay because it gives you hope it's nice for people and it's nice to feel that I will see this person again someday and maybe that's why they encourages put a lead on it because they're like it's the use of breaking your heart every day for the rest of your life when at this day you will be reunited so maybe that hope in some way helps people you know but I just think it's so important to feel your feelings to remember who you are to you know prioritize growing around the feeling you know, like I know it's, it's not it's not always in everybody's no, it's, you, it's really hard it's really tough work to sit down with your feelings but it's something I absolutely encourage just sitting down with how you feel about things because sometimes you're making things up in your head you don't you don't know your head like we are so creative we don't know how much we are able to do it's like you're talking about like if there's a mess your your head is just like this is reflective of this thing and this is how this is the worst day ever this is everything is falling apart and you would be right that's the truth but then it could also not be the worst day ever like second to the last worst day ever and even if it's like second to the last sometimes but like since it's not the last like I'm always like I say how like I used to, when I was younger how I used to deal with like heartbreak or like disappointment my friends used to find it funny but I would literally say I would feel my body it's a little dramatic but I would feel my body and be like is anything paining you I can't do that now I'm 30 plus something is paining me but then <laughs> Oh girl. oh girl tell me about it tell me about it 
<laughs> my back, you know. But then I'd be like, is everything still in place? Oh, so it's just your heart that's broken. Okay, that's fine. This means you can move. <laughs> you can make jokes. It's just the pain here. That's that means we can solve it. If I was crippled in this moment, if something was paining me, then we have a lot more to deal with. But now that we found that it's just right here, that's fine. There's hope. There's hope to go somewhere else and cry. There's hope to postpone the crying till night time. There's hope to have a drink and feel better. And like, I think in my head now, I might not do that feeling again, but in my head, is there hope? Will I be better tomorrow? If I cry today, will this make me feel better? And sometimes, you know, it does. And, and it's just understanding how you grieve and even understanding that no two feelings are the same, even with yourself. So Mm. you might handle this loss like this you might handle this other loss like this it's, it's different it's it's there's so many like variables that come into play um, like with my cousin I think I I just felt anger mm. like why was I so accepting about my dad like I accepted it and then I like this is my life after but like with my cousin I I've, every time I said, this is like one of the things I can say, I'm devastated. I'm devastated all over again, every day of my life since then. I like, I'm, if I wanted to describe devastation, this would be the exact moment that I'm like, this is, this is devastating. Yeah. There's no other way to, you know, there's no other way to feel it. And so every time that it comes to my head, I'm like, Sorry, I really I'm not sh- I don't understand why I'm expected to live with devastation, but I have been devastated. We have been this is it's not okay to to feel like this. And so I try to like sit with the feeling and it, this doesn't get better. It's not gotten better yet. I've I'm I'm devastated by it. And so I'm I can't even tell anybody how to grieve because guess what? I think if, you are, if I was if I was talking about this, if I was talking about this before 2020, I feel like I would have answered this differently when I had not dealt with something that I considered extremely devastating, you know? So there's I've I've learned no lessons <laughs> in recent times. Um, like, <laughs> oh, that is hilarious. <laughs> words i'm like it's just nice I, I just thought about it a few days ago that i should actually try to get me and my siblings to do like a good therapy session because i think we've just all handled it i don't know that we've handled it but we've had to you know keep leaving and we'll check on each other like maybe we all have to sit in one place or talk to one person and process how this even affects our own dynamics because we don't crack jokes in the group class anymore <laughs> we don't it would, I, and, and I don't even think it's like nobody this is the thing like if it was that one person who was holding back surely another person would not be holding back do you get what I mean yeah. but of the seven of us we it's just not there like nothing is funny nothing is funny that we consider funny yeah. enough to yeah. all after so I like it's it's, it's I, 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 I think about it all the time but I still don't feel, I, I don't feel prepared. I don't feel ready. And I wonder if, you know, would ever be ready to go back to us or us. It's like, yeah, we really us. Like we used to be, we used to be, you know, the real ones. We used to be cool, but we're cool individually. But we're not cool as a group anymore because this happened and, you know, she's not here. And so how does this group operate? Mm are we really here you know you know so I think I think that's like something that would keep me awake and with all of my experience with even dealing with other people to speak to people to talk to my friends about how they're feeling I've come into this place where I am devastated so wow wow um I guess that yeah (laughs) I think we're gonna end it there um I mean it's been a great conversation exploring grief in that dynamic um with your loss um from your dad down to and and even just the cross-generational um conversation that we had there um it's great um I think generally I think the theme for this was just growing in grief um 
and it's it's just wonderful to see how you know the mind works and how lessons um can be taken it's interesting that you say or less that you haven't learned any lessons because I was gonna ask what advice do you have but you, I mean you seem you had you have you have said if anybody can get therapy um and I, I agree with that but I guess as a personal note is there anything that you would say has worked for you that you would suggest not advice but suggest someone to try at least try um yes I, I do think like I I think you know reflecting on memories is so good for me um seeing talking to other people especially those who are dealing with that loss you know just sitting down and sharing good memories it's just I think for me that's one of the things that have been amazing and then sometimes I'd say learning to live through it to doing something that we value you know and sometimes also just letting yourself feel and, and I mean, it depends on, you know, the state of your mental health, but I do find that if I'm feeling really sad or anxious about what's happened and I take some time out, go out, take a walk, just do something that vitalizes me or even f- like doing something that's like a small win, but just that accomplishment, like checking that you're alive and that you're living. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I found out recently that I'm like one of those people that, um, that likes motivational quotes I didn't know that but I the motivational quotes are motivational to me (laughs) my gosh when I realized that was my brand so I remember there was a tweet I think it was something about how to behave at a dinner table or something and I remember reading the tweet thinking oh this is going to be um an emotion a motivational quote and then it didn't end up being a motivational quote and I was so annoyed I was like how dare you not be a motivation and I sat down thinking I was like wow motivational quotes are really my brand of content like that is really my identity and I was like so I sat there thinking Tony what is your truth like what is your truth I sat there for five minutes I was like I was like you know what you like them and that's okay like it's very okay because there have been times in your life where you've questioned your purpose, where you felt unmotivated. And these things have helped you, you know, take little steps in life. These things have helped you recalibrate and, you know, sort of re-enter society, re-enter life and whatnot. And that's okay. If for somebody else, they find their own purpose purely through sports, purely through activity, that's fine. But you are not them. And you like motivational quotes. That is fine whole time I've been teaching self-help books and then one day I'm like even if you're not ready for the dates cannot always be nice and I'm like profound 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 and you know what I'm like this is this speaks to me this is so deep and you know what this is what helps me because I'm like see this is night this is darkness I will sit with you I will feel you, but guess what? You are timed because morning will come. And when it's time for me to not feel these things, I will get out of this bed and I will approach my life because guess what? I am living with this thing. Like I can, it cannot become me. This is poetry right here. And, that, and that's the thing, when I even understand, I'm like, at the end of the day, Tony, you're a poet. So <laughs> what really, like, why are you fighting this? I'm like, okay, motivational quotes are just poetry they're just you know energized poetry but I just think find your thing find the way that you you live with things find the way that will make your life your most bearable life your your you know joyous life I think about people like even like when you lose parents sometimes your parents you watch your parents lose their parents mm. they grieved in the way that they could grieve or how much they could show you but you don't see everybody's grief so you don't understand that Everybody that even like when you feel alone, or somebody talking about people feeling isolated, when you feel alone, all of us are kind of reunited by grief. We're grieving different people, we're grieving different things, we're at different stages at different times. So this is how we're going to live. Like this is our normal. Mm-hmm. We're feeling we're always going to feel because that person is always going to be gone. Mm. So how do we grow our life to fit into this thing that we feel? and the borders, so, like said, the borders don't get smaller the jar just gets bigger yeah get bigger and so there's hope and <laughs> this is a little sad 
but more people are going to die. Oh, <laughs> that is true. That is true. But, and, you know, we'll keep growing and we'll keep living and it's it gets sad sometimes, sadder sometimes, happier sometimes, but it doesn't change what's happened. And so because this thing has happened and it's so permanent, we we just keep living. So I think in the end, I just suggest that we keep living till we're not. Fair enough. Well, thank you very much for your time. Thank you for sharing your story. Um, it was wonderful talking to you. Thank you to our co-guest for me, whoever she is. Um, you can come and play with mommy now. I'm so sorry to take a mommy away from you. But um, yeah, that was it. Um, thank you for coming on The Great Diaries. Thank you. Thank you so much. I, I love being here. It was a great conversation and you were a great host. So thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to The Great Diaries podcast. I hope you were able to connect with that episode. If you were and you'd like to stay in touch or you'd like to appear on future episodes, please reach out on social media at greatdiaries.insta on Instagram and greatdiaries underscore on Twitter. The conversation is neither black nor white, but I'll always be sending you love and light. See you in the next episode.